Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Osmosis updates from the lab. Let's take a listen. Hello. Hello. We'll give it a few more minutes and then get this rolling. Today, we're going to get some basic updates going from the lab. Sunny's back. And we'll get some updates on the Mars launch. Uh, JJ and Johnny should be in here to. Give a little information on that. And then we're going to have Regen join us from the uh, relationship that we established about it, or the uh, community established uh, quite a bit ago, but that is launching soon. How's it going, Sonny? Going well. Thank you. Uh, I am in snowy Hokkaido, snowed in, uh, but uh, excited for that. Yeah, I think the life force update from the lab and all. Little while actually, probably since probably the first one of the new year. Um, so I guess we can just jump on in. Um, so you know, biggest news, I guess, of the week is that the V14 upgrade happened. Uh, the V14 upgrade, um, was you know, it was actually a pretty minor upgrade to be honest. It didn't have like it was mostly a lot of like low level features that were sort of required to help uh, the Mars launch happen. Uh, finishing a couple of uh, things like the, uh, you know, the the geometric TWAP. So it's a different type of TWAP than the one that was added back in December, um, as well as a couple other like uh, things that were needed. Most mostly things that were needed for the Mars launch. So the, you know, there wasn't shouldn't have been too much, um, you know, big user facing changes from this upgrade. So you know, the next upgrade will probably contain a lot more of. Some of, some of the more advanced uh, new, new stuff coming down uh, the pipe. So, you know, uh, talk about a little bit of some updates on, you know, some of the main things going on right now. So, obviously, concentrated liquidity, uh, obviously, number one priority still. Uh, development progress is still going uh, well. You know, I'll, you can always track it on GitHub, but the chain development side is going uh, quite well, trying to. You know, I think we will likely have something basically done by the chain side uh, targeting something around end of February. Um, but then there's still some work being needed to done on the front end side. Uh, so, you know, the Osmosis uh, front end team actually had a sort of offsite in Taiwan uh, last two weeks where we spent a lot of time going over a lot of Osmosis front end and product, um, you know, designs and uh, new flows and stuff. So I'm uh, really excited for a lot of the stuff that came that's going to come out of that, but uh, spent a lot of time specifically also on the co- new concentrated liquidity workflow. So, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at how concentrated liquidity works in, you know, Uniswap, 
but as well as the many Uniswap V3 contrary to liquidity clones out there, whether that's on Solana or uh, other EVMs or uh, things like that. And, you know, we, th there were some nice things. That I think all of them had like some interesting features, but none of them really hit the you a super easy to understand ux and like you know i think that's really important i, I think this is like one of the biggest actually complaints that I, a lot of people always had with like concentrated liquidity is that the ux of lp is like very complicated and difficult uh, and like not easy um, and so you know we kind of spent a lot of time thinking through how do we make this flow as easy as possible for LPs. And so uh, I think we came up with a design that we're quite happy with. Um, it definitely is going to take a little bit more work than, uh, you know, just building a clone of Uniswap V3's interface. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to, like, you know, uh, being able to unveil that when, when it's ready, because I think it's going to provide a lot of, you know, I, I think it'll hopefully be the first like Uniswap V3 like concentrated liquidity interface that will be easily usable by by most uh, retail LPs. So yeah, looking why do you think that? Why do you think that someone like or the project like Uniswap hasn't been able to make this super user friendly on their end? I think part of it is that they didn't really try to cater too much towards it because. On Uniswap, uh, the majority of the, especially on V3, majority of the liquidity is being provided by professional market makers who like are just running off-chain scripts that just call the contracts directly, not actually interacting with it through the front end. And so I think because of that, Uniswap never, um, they just never put a huge priority on making the LP inter the, the front end based LP interface that um, user friendly. That that would be my thought as to why I don't think they spent why you know two years in they haven't spent that much time on like improving it. So do you think the the route we're taking is two birds one stone here? We are targeting the audience that they have, and then we're targeting our own audience that way. Yeah, definitely. So you know we're we're definitely working on uh, you know. Obviously, there will be uh, professional LPs that will need to be coming in. We're working on like tooling to make that possible for them to come in and be able to like market make and provide liquidity, whether that's like custody solutions or you know integrations with software like Hummingbot. Um, but then you know, and you know, professional market makers will probably be like the biggest liquidity providers for the major pairs, right? Your Adam pairs or ETH pairs and stuff like that. But like, you know, part of Osmosis's biggest market or like is like, you know, being able to and I think part of the point of AMMs and DEXs is to be able to provide liquidity for like tail end assets, right? Like part of the whole beauty of like Osmosis right now is like if you launch a new Cosmos chain, you don't have to go like get centralized exchange listings and get professional market makers, you should be able to have an interface where you can put more passive LPs, uh, L LP. And so I think that like, you know, uh, we still want to provide a good UX for contrary to liquidity for the retail uh, LPs. So you'll, you'll notice that in like, I think even in Ethereum, a lot of like 
tail end projects, they still actually use Uniswap V2 uh, for their uh, liquidity instead of V3 because it just provides an easier way for for their community to provide liquidity on. So we're trying to figure out, okay, how, you know, how do we make the contract liquidity UX still as easy for uh, your average user to be able to provide liquidity on? Not that I think, you know, every user will be able, should be necessarily providing it. So what's going to happen is when you want to provide liquidity into a, a concentrated liquidity pool, it'll kind of give you three options where you can like, you know, option one is you can just do a full range position, which is like the equivalent of uh, Uniswap, like, of like the pools today. Uh, option two was you could, you could do a managed uh, position. So this would be using like a vault service, whether it's something like Astroport vaults or Quasar or something like that. Uh, where you know it, they, you basically deposit into a, another external protocol that actively uh, manages your position, your LP position for you. And then the third option is a you know a custom position where you can define your own ranges and whatnot. So yeah, so you know I think actually really most the the most passive people should actually be going for one of the first two options, and then people who want a little bit more customization and control. Uh, we'll go. We'll go for that third option. What uh, ratio of people do you think will go for the first or second option? Um, I think it really does depend on uh, on the pools, right? Like, so I think like the number of people who do custom positions on will, will probably be higher for the the bigger pools. Like, so basically, the more volatility there is, you kind of uh want to go for something maybe a little bit more passive um and so you know usually smaller market cap assets tend to have more volatility and uncertainty and that's kind of where you want to go for wider range positions which you know usually going for something like uh full range or or another one would be like you know so astroport what they're building is like these curve v2 style of market making vaults on top of concentrated liquidity and so you know i think that will actually become a popular way for people to incentivize liquidity on on, on their pool so today pro- projects usually put external incentives on the full range positions what they might start doing is putting full, uh, incentives on this like uh astroport vault instead because it still is a pretty passive uh vault, but it gives a little bit better uh, liquidity concentration than the full range. So it kind of depends on where uh, projects decide to start putting their external incentives as well. Can you talk a little more on Astroport and like how, you know, one, like, you know, um, have you been talking to them? What is this information like stemming from, um, you know, uh, like what are their plans with concentrated liquidity a little deeper? Yeah. So the, uh, you know, we've been talking a bunch with the Astroport team. Uh, obviously, they're sort of the second project of Delphi Labs, which is who also builds Mars, um, which we, you know, we're working very closely with. Um, so what Astroport is going to be doing is, uh, so Curve V2 is this like AMM model that was developed by the Curve team that kind of, allows you to passively LP and it what it does is it concentrates liquidity around the TWAP price. So 
what whatever the TWAP current TWAP price is, it will like you know automatically contribute liquidity around that and then readjust it based off of how far the spot price is from the current TWAP price. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't want to go too much into the details of the Curve V2 mechanism. You can go read that. But what what Astroport will basically do with these vaults is they'll they'll have a contract that you can deposit assets into their vault, and what they'll do is automatically like place a bunch of contract-created liquidity positions on on the decks, uh on the contract liquidity pools, and then constantly just be updating them on some regular basis. And you can even provide hooks from the Osmosis chain. You know, if if governance approves this, that you know. Uh, instead of someone having to manually ping Dashboard vaults to update it, every, you know we can have it so every couple blocks Dashboard vaults get automatically up, uh, update, uh, get a, get this like privileged access to automatically update on the there are liquidity positions on the floor. So it's basically a way of like saying like, hey, instead of you having to go constantly manage your positions, pay a lot of gas to do that as you update it every time, it's a bunch of people basically pooling their money together into one account, and then that one account basically does uh, like actively manages the position for all the shareholders of that vault. Cool, good breakdown. What else do you have for us? Um, yeah, so I, I guess you know I mentioned the incentives uh, that we were from the you know people can put still people you know the goal is that projects will still be able to put incentives. Uh, external incentives on like things like bull raging and astroport uh, vaults and you know other vault systems as well. Um, but the you know some I want to talk a little bit about how we see incentives like the core osmosis concentrated liquidity incentives evolving. So you know today in the uh, like you know full range pools you have this like whole system of like you know people lock LP position. LP shares, and that's how you get rewards. Um, how how it'll start to evolve in concentrated liquidity is, you know, this whole like locking of LP share rewards is not. It doesn't really work. Uh, it, it, it's not really a mechanism that makes that much sense because everyone's LP positions are different, and how do you calculate, you know, the value of each person's LP share? So you know, there's been a lot of like. Different protocols have done different like things. Uniswap has their own sort of mechanism of how they, um, you know, incentivize concentrated liquidity pools. So Uniswap does, obviously doesn't have its own internal incentives, but they do have some contracts that like external parties can use for uh, inc- for incentivizing. Uh, but what they do is they they basically uh, focus on like time in range. So like how. Uh, they basically measure how much of your liquidity is in the current active tick. Um, so we're actually doing something a little bit similar, but with a few more caveats. Uh, so what, what we want to do is actually measure, like, you know, we want to make sure that liquidity is staying on the book rather than just being, you know, there's this thing that happens in Uniswap called just-in-time liquidity, where what's happening is people, every time a trade is being made, People are reading into the mempool and just adding uh, liquidity at the last second so they could, you know, take the you know, market make for that trade and then removing liquidity. And what this does is it makes it so they're sort of less impervious to like impermanent loss, but and in a, 
you know, there's an argument to be made that this, you know, is good for traders because it's actually, you know, this just-in-time liquidity is providing lower price slippage to the traders. But I think when you actually zoom out and look at the second and second order effects of this, it actually ends up degrading the experience for the entire DEX because, you know, part of the point of a order book is that you want to like aggregate information from the market about beliefs on prices. And if everyone is keeping that information private and only sharing that information at the last second from just-in-time liquidity, it's like making the market more inefficient. People don't know don't know how to you you don't know what sort of price um, prices you're going to get until you make it, and then that makes it so you don't know how to set your slippage bounds, and effectively it's just going to lead to like you know the 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 market devolves into one that like everyone's actually getting worse pricing and it actually like reduces the stickiness of the decks as well because you know liquidity is not uh on the book and so you know it makes it easier for users to go to other places rather than go, go you know it's better if users would prefer a dex where you know they have some guarantees of the uh pricing that they're going to get and so this is and you know this is what centralized uh centralized exchanges do with their limit orders the fifo uh design that centralized exchange uh that most central central limit order books do kind of does this incentive for like okay you want to be actually the first one to provide liquidity on the book and you want to be you know you want to have resting liquidity on the book rather than just adding it at, uh at, at the last second so you know our our model is going to be sort of mimicking this quite a bit where uh, where you know we can say like oh okay you know you're going to get incentives for liquidity in range that's being hit but like it had to have been sitting on the book for at least the last five minutes or thirty minutes or you know twenty four hours so you know that these these things won't be like parameterizable um, but yeah that's sort of like the big um, big big change that we're making is like we're we're really trying to figure out how to like design and and so you know this we we have a design right now but still kind of going through some final iteration but the big idea here is yeah, how do we incentivize resting liquidity uh rather than just last minute market making awesome um what other updates do you have and i think after the uh updates from our side we'll get into the mars launch updates as well sweet um yeah i think you know the other big uh, development, Dex focused development stuff we've been working on beyond contributory right now is the cross chain swaps. So you know I think we for Osmo did a really good thread about them, a couple of good threads actually uh, last couple last week. So you know check that out. But you know just a recap of what it is is when you are you know today the Osmosis UX is very much like this like centralized exchange experience where you have to. First, you deposit assets, then you do your trades, and then you have to withdraw assets. And these are like three different transactions. And then, especially if you're trying to do something like, uh, let's say you have like Atom on Juno and you want to trade it for USDC, but have that on Juno again, because you're trying to do some, or interact with some tap on Juno. Well, this is this will be like five transactions because first of all, you can't actually IBC that atom directly to Osmosis. You first have to send it back to the Cosmos Hub, then to Osmosis, then do your swap for USDC, then send that USDC to Axelar, and then send that USDC 
from Axelar to Juno. And it's like, you know, how do we make this all, you know, five transactions on like, what, four different blockchains, each of them, you know, you might not have the fee token for all of these blockchains. It's just going to be like a, it's just like a really painful UX. And this is like, you know, the whole goal here is how do we make the interchain UX be as seamless as a single chain UX? And so uh, what our team has been work, spending a lot of time working on in collaboration with others, others like Strange Love and uh, other teams as well, but is adding IBC metadata or ICS20 metadata where you can encode the sort of whole, a multi-chain transaction flow in the metadata of your IBC transaction. So you just have to dispatch one IBC transaction. Um, it gets to the causes hub. It will then like decode that and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to pass this on, you know, figure out what the next step to do in it. And so you only have to do a single transaction and the rest of it sort of just executes and uh, it ends up back on, you know, you, you end up with the destination the resulting token on the destination chain. Um, and then what do you think the, or I was going to ask, what do you think the most common use of metadata would be within the IBC? And then what do you think that would be for GMP uh, you know, outside of the IBC ecosystem? Yeah. So the, I think the most obvious use case for the metadata is the, this multi-hop transfers I'm talking about right now, where it's like, Oh, you know, instead of, if you're, if you have to transfer a token from, like one chain to an, you know, you have to go send it back to the source chain and then to the next chain. I think you can, that will be like an obvious one where you can like, oh, encode both of those. Um, cross chain swaps is another one that like, you know, that, that, that is also ICS20 metadata. Um, you know, how, like GMP is basically Axelar's uh, message passing protocol. And so, you know, we're, after we sort of have our base version done, which is a plasma plasma contract, we're going to work with the Axelar team to sort of plug in their GMP protocol. So you can basically call, you know, execute ICS. You can basically generate IBC metadata transactions from EBM chains. And so you can imagine like, you know, let's say there's a workflow that needs to happen where, uh, okay, let's say a user is coming from moving their, uh, to to the new DYDX chain, and they need like the Cosmos native USDC, right? This is a really complex workflow because they have Ethereum USDC. So what they need to do is first IBC that you know send that via Axlar to then Osmosis, use the stable swap on Osmosis to convert to like the Cosmos USDC, then send that Cosmos USDC to the uh, Noble chain, which is the asset issuance chain. And then from that chain, send it to DYDX. There's like so many chains involved in here. And it's like, you know, if the user had to do every step manually, that would really suck. And so the idea is that, okay, in that initial transaction that they do from Ethereum, they can code that entire IBC process in the GMP message. And so um, it will get like, you know, once it hits Axlar, it will kind of finish the rest of the execution. So, yeah, so basically the idea here is, you know, we're, we're, by using GMP, we can plug non IBC enabled chains into still being able to conduct these like complex workflows. Do you think it's realistic to like, let's say something on Ethereum would list a stargaze NFT and someone over in Ethereum would, you know, use the GMP to, to buy this and it would route all the way through Axlar through osmosis to stargaze back to osmosis, back through Axlar. And then they're sitting with that NFT over in Ethereum. Um, yeah, definitely. So 
I think definitely the first part of that where like, okay, you know, you want to trigger the buy of like, you know, some star NFT on Stargaze dominated in stars. Uh, you, you know, you can do that with, you know, you send the ETH to Axelar, to Osmosis, do the swap to stars, send to Stargaze, buy the NFT. That can all be done. Uh, and then um, I don't know the status. So, 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 you know, there is the ICS721 work, which allows you to then send NFTs across chain. So that's like not live yet. But I think it's, you know, I believe that they're working on it and it should be, I think they're doing a hackathon in April or something where you know, that's when they're like sort of going to be demoing it and stuff. Um, and then, then the next step is I think someone does have to build a GMP, like a NFT GMP implementation that allows you to send NFTs over Axlar. So I think once that's done, the, the final step of that process of actually sending the NFT to Ethereum will also be possible. Awesome. What else do you have? Um, I guess, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of Axelar, uh, one exciting thing is that Axelar now supports uh, native unwrapped assets. So, you know, today you have, you know, on our sources, if you want to send over ETH or something, you have to send over WEC. Or if you want to send over BNB, you first have to wrap the BNB into WBNB and then send it over. And this is really annoying because, like, you know, imagine you have some ETH, you want to just, like, you know, you're sick of using Ethereum, you know, too, too, too expensive. You just want to, you know, fuck it, I'm going out Cosmos, right? It's like, okay, you know, maybe you have, like, I don't know, five ETH in your wallet. The problem is you can't just, like, send, you know, you, you can't convert all of that to WEF and then send it to Axel to Osmosis because then you won't have any ETH to pay your gas fees. And this is just, like, really annoying. And it's also just extra gas for you to, you know, wrap your ETH first before sending it. So uh, Axelar now supports you can send either ETH or WEF. Uh, and, both, you know, it'll show up as the same token on, on the Cosmos side, which is really nice. Um, and so you can do this via satellite today. Uh, we, we, it'll take us a little bit to support this on the Osmosis front end. It's on our, it's on our uh, to-do list, but it's not, you know, it'll probably be a little, a uh, couple, couple of weeks before we can get to it. But yeah, if you can, if you want to use satellite today, you can go ahead and send um, native ETH and BNB and Matic and uh, AVAX and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, speaking of AVAX, uh, AVAX was added to the Osmosis front end as well. So you can uh, start bringing, bridging over assets from there as well. So um, yeah, I think those are some of the sort of the main things that updates that we have from the dev team. Uh, obviously, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the focus the last couple of weeks has been on getting a lot of the stuff ready for the Mars launch. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Yep. Uh, so currently, we're in coordination with you know getting this Mars launch. Uh, we're talking frequently with uh, Danku over on their side, which I think a lot of you might be familiar with. They uh, are Danku's got the uh, YouTube channel. He's pretty much the Cosmo uh, Cryptocito for the Mars side. Uh, also working a lot with Chris on their side. And on our side, we're getting it done with Johnny and uh, JJ. Um, I think you guys have seen a lot of their activity going on on Twitter. And uh, right now, I think they're whipping up their proposals. They've got three going. Uh, Johnny can talk more on those proposals. Johnny? Yeah, um, there's two live proposals at the moment for, for Mars on Commonwealth. Um, not on chain yet, but they should be at the weekend. 
the first one enables um, the the address that that uh, Delphi Labs will use to to upload the the contracts. Uh, so as soon as that passes, they can basically what it means is that they can upload the contracts, and anytime there's there's a patch for Mars or something, they can migrate without having to do a vote each time because uh, Mars itself is multiple contracts and it just cuts down on the government's governance spam, which you know I'm sure everyone's very used to with osmosis. Um, the other one is a proposed spend for the osmosis community pool, which you, you're probably aware that we've moved a lot of incentives from the LP system towards the community pool over the last few months just to stop them going into inflation because we were probably overpaying for liquidity. Um, what this does is it uses some of that reserved incentives to, to bootstrap the Mars liquidity. Because um, obviously, you know, Mars is going to be starting off with, with uh, no, no set price um, and low liquidity, uh, but they have a kind of established liquidity level that, we, that they had after the Terra DPEG that we think we can get back to by using these incentives. So Johnny, how did you, uh, how was this number come to the amount that was requested? So the, so we, we've got a kind of target liquidity um, that happened after the, the Terra DPEG, uh, which ended up being around $3 million of liquidity. And what we find with Osmo incentives is that a lot of pools tend to settle at a certain level of APR that, that tends to be about um, it, it's kind of based on all the staking rewards for each side of the token so what we can say is when we get to 3 million liquidity um, and this APR is reached what would we what we, what we what would we need to be paying in incentives to be providing that APR at that liquidity so, so, that, so that's where, where that's come from um, it ends up being uh, 310,000 Osmo over 90 days, uh, which is the proposal. And then on top of that, Mars are talking about uh, providing Mars from, um, well, they, they've got proposal coming up for Mars from their community pool um, to also add to it, which would take it above that. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that will provide some quite nice incentives. Yeah, definitely will. Uh, I think people are very excited about Mars. It's been a long time coming, and you know, I think a lot of people thought it might never happen, but it is happening, and very soon in the next few weeks. Yep, definitely. Uh, <laughs> let's talk on the multi-sig, Johnny. Uh, can you tell us about the multi-sig and who is on it, and why were they chosen? Yeah, so we've got on the multi-sig, we've got a member of the Osmosis Support Lab, uh, Walter Spinner. Um, who will be yeah, providing um, one signature there. Uh, we've got a, a validator uh, crypto crew. And we've also got a member of the Apollo team who are also building on um, building vaults to use as leverage on Mars. So there's another couple of proposals up on Commonwealth as well talking about what Apollo is going to do with Mars. Um, but kind of the short of it is that they're going to be using Mars to um, allow leverage liquidity pools on USDC and Atom. 
which, yeah, <laughs> really looking forward to. Uh, look out for a post coming up about that soon, I think. Yeah, so the reason these three were chosen for the multi-sig is because we kind of wanted to reach into the community. And, you know, the OSL is obviously a prominent uh, entity in our community. They're uh, in a lot of the operations. They help out with everything. Um, so, you know, definitely makes sense. And if any one of you here listening has a shirt from Texas, uh, Water Spinner probably got that shirt made. So you can thank him for that. Um, and then Apollo was chosen because, you know, they're just a project in the ecosystem. And, you know, we wanted to include uh, a project that is building. Um, Crypto Crew is, you know, a great validator and they provide many services and they never dropped the ball. So uh, I think they're a great nomination. Um, on February 8th, we're going to be hosting updates from the lab with uh, some of the Mars team as well. For further questions, we can you know definitely wait and have them on and then get into the nitty gritty with them. Uh, I think now we should transition into uh, speaking on regen. So Sarah here is from the regen team uh, and Sarah and Johnny will be able to provide a lot more context on this. So uh, I think Johnny, uh, can you start off by talking about you know the history with uh, regen here and what's going on today? And then Sarah, you'll uh, hop in after that and kind of tell us what's been happening since. Yeah, so um, this was a couple of proposals that happened originally back in March uh, that was to basically the first one was to make Osmosis a carbon neutral platform um, by purchasing and retiring this um, NCT token that, that Regen is going to be launching. Um, and then secondly, to, to provide it a liquidity source of NCT on Osmosis so that we could become kind of the go-to place to purchase it across the cosmos. Um, since then, obviously, the, kind of the market's changed a little bit. Um, the, the ratio of Osmo to NCT has changed a little bit, so we're not going to be able to quite provide the liquidity levels that we wanted in the original proposals but the 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 current plan is to basically go ahead with what what the proposals are planning to do and they will just provide a slightly lower liquidity level um than than originally intended but still use the rewards in the same way so what we'll get from that is uh, carbon neutrality for osmosis uh for, for the first year of its operation we'll get a NCT regen pool that will be the first bit of protocol owned liquidity for osmosis. <laughs> and the second one will be a sorry, the third one will be a heavily incentivized NCT Osmo pool with the regen that um regen originally regen network originally gifted to the osmosis community pool. So hopefully that should bootstrap uh, liquidity quite 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 heavily um, on osmosis and make us the kind of the, the go-to place for the, any kind of uh, carbon reduction transactions. Awesome! Thanks for the recap on Regen. Uh, Sarah, hop on in. Tell us tell us what you guys have been up to. Uh, yeah, tell us what you do. Yeah, so my name's Sarah. I'm Regen's director of the ecosystem. Um, so nice to meet you all. Thanks for having me. We're on the call today. I want to add to what Johnny's saying by re-explaining 
what NTT is. So NTT stands for Nature Carbon Tent. So it's a fungible um, carbon token that represents only nature-based projects that were originally issued on the Vera um, registry, which is an off-chain carbon registry that were bridged onto Polygon originally by the Toucan protocol um, with Region Network as an advisor for the criteria of NCT. And so what our team has been doing at Regen is building a custom bridge specifically for NCT between Polygon and Region Ledger for the last year. And so what we're going to be doing is bringing a really a very large chunk of the liquidity that currently exists over on Polygon over into the Cosmos ecosystem to allow for there to be a liquid affordable carbon market um, here in the Cosmos community. And so one of the important things to remember here is, is carbon is a commodity, is a real world asset that exists. There are trading licenses for it out um, on financial institutions. It's a, a market that has existed for you know almost 50 years now. And these are digital um, versions of all of these credits that are going to offer up a new entirely new asset market um, over here in the cosmos. And part of the big reason that Region Network is doing this is because there's already liquidity for NCT on Celo and already liquidity for NCT on Polygon. And because these are really affordable carbon credits, they're like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars a credit. Um, this allows there to be enough liquidity in the cosmos ecosystem for folks to, you know, link carbon now to their debt or um, issue an NFT collection with a carbon credit attached. Once you have these IBC fungible carbon tokens, really starts to be a player's game about how you can use that asset in conjunction with all of uh, the existing technologies that we are building in the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, outside of this, in general, Regen Network has its own credit registry system that we have custom built on our app chain for the issuance of credits. Um, these are not those credits. Those credits are coming soon um, and will be in region marketplace. There'll be over 2 million of them released in 2023. Um, so folks are looking for other kinds of carbon assets um, for offsetting or investment purposes later in the year. Those will um, be available in region marketplace. But to make sure we can get the carbon market going in the community, we are bringing NCT over our custom bridge. So the bridge, just to give you all some timeline updates, the bridge is being tested this week officially. Um, so sometime in the next two to three weeks, this whole jam could finally go live, which is super exciting. So I'll pause and see if anybody has any questions because Carbon Markets is its own weird little niche. And you know these are real world assets that have a lot of value um, that we hope that folks see the value in the Cosmos ecosystem to have a big liquidity pool for this. Yeah, uh, Sarah, can you talk more on this bridge and kind of explain, you know, how you guys went about building this? What were the challenges? You know, how was security addressed? And yeah. also, like, what was the decision yeah. to build a custom bridge versus like use something like Axelar or any of the other bridges in Cosmos already? Yeah, so I'm not our tech lead. Is my first response. So I'll give you my version of this. Um, Anybody that wants to know the full technical explanation should find Corey, our head of engineering, who will give you the truth. Um, so when we started 
trying to bring NCT into Cosmos. It was like October of 22. And these bridges didn't exist yet. Um, the other challenge that we face is that underneath a carbon credit, you're not moving a fungible asset. NCT on the Polygon side um, contains a series of TCO2s, which underneath of them have carbon credit metadata. What's the project name? What methodology was used to quantify it? Um, where is it in the world? What year was it produced in? It has this much broader data set. So what's technically happening on the Polygon side is you are pulling out of the NCT pool to get a TCO2. It then uses the bi-directional bridge smart contracts. That's two-way bridge smart contract. It's canceled on the Polygon side. It is then issued again with the same information on the Regen Network side as an eco credit. And then it's being put into what we call basket, um, which is really just the, the, the mechanism that creates a fungible token to be recoming, um, it reforms into an NCT. So the, we needed to make sure that the underlying metadata of the carbon credit project itself is accurate, that it is indeed canceled when it moves across the bridge so that it can't be in two places at once, so that only one party can ever claim that specific carbon project and retire it for a carbon credit claim that data integrity flow is really critical. So we built so, this bridge and it's only for moving them back and forth from Polygon to Regent Ledger. So speaking on how you just mentioned, like, you know, it's important that these credits only exist in one place at one time. Um, how does the Polygon community, is it, do they have some certain feeling about you guys removing all this liquidity uh, from their ecosystem over the Cosmos ecosystem? Yeah, Polygon's on board. Um, we'll actually be launching the announcement of the bridge being live on Polygon's blog. Um, this is originally liquidity that Regen Network brought into NCT when it was bridged from the Vera registry. So almost you are half... either cutting out or I am cutting can out. Can... I can hear can her you hear fine. Me? I can hear her fine. Oh, sorry. I, I walk around when I talk. Yeah, it's probably mine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is originally liquidity that Regen Network owned when NCT was originally created on Polygon. So this has been our liquidity that we've really been lending in the pools on Polygon this whole time to provide enough liquidity for that asset to exist there. The liquidity has already been split once before between Polygon and Stello. And so we're just moving the assets we've been holding for almost a year and a half over to the Cosmos ecosystem. And the only reason we got those assets in the first place was to bring them to the Cosmos. So everybody involved is fully aware of this. Toucan Protocol has been building this bridge with us. The Polygon Foundation is aware that we're moving liquidity over to Cosmos. So I cannot hear anything. So I can hear. I think, Sandy, you take over. Sure. Cool. I'll just keep finishing so I don't take up too much more of your call. Um, but basically, everybody, everybody knows. And more than anything, people are really excited about the potential for cross-chain carbon liquidity to exist between Polygon and the Cosmos ecosystem for the first time. We are in discussions about um, creating another bridge pathway that will take Regen Network native credits, credits produced uniquely on our app chain and in our registry, out of the Cosmos ecosystem and back over to the Polygon ecosystem to connect to dApps like Klima and Return and other sort of carbon impact apps that are in other ecosystems. So this is the first bridge of many 
necessary bridges to move assets across chain that will exist and will be emergent over the next year or so. So I'll pause there and see what other questions folks have. Maybe we can, uh, maybe it's a good time to maybe just open up the floor to the audience if anyone has any questions they want to add or ask, feel free to request. I think I can hear now. Uh, Sarah, can you can you tell us about what Gregory's been up to lately? Um, I don't know if you guys talked about that, but I can finally hear you again. Yeah, Gregory's been at Davos, um, helping with the launch of the blockchain for climate organization, which is an alliance of all of the different chains and dApps um, across really every ecosystem on the blockchain that are doing something for climate. Uh, Ethereum Foundation, Solana, Ripple, the Cosmos ecosystem, Regen Network, Polygon, um, and dozens and dozens of other apps. So he's been abroad, um, but he'll be back. I think he's back now. He might be on the uh, Regenerati News Hour on Thursday. If anybody hasn't listened to the last one, he had a wickedly awesome conversation with Jake from Juno and Betty from Evmos about their cover, their carbon offsetting proposals. It was a fantastic conversation. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, if anyone in the audience has any questions, feel free to request and we can bring you on up, whether it's about uh, Regen or... Uh, Mars launch or anything, any osmosis related stuff, any recent governance proposal discussions or, yeah. Got one. Hey, Marty. Hey, I just wanted to thank the Osmosis Support Lab for uh, all they do and helping uh, with the Discord and stuff. It's not just uh, helping out Osmosis users, it's helping out the entire Cosmos ecosystem from different chains because. Most of the time, you got to go through osmosis for uh, liquidity and stuff, and you have to, you know, know how to use it. And they do a ton, and they go above and beyond to, you know, help new users get accustomed to it. So I think it's uh, really good what they're doing. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Thanks for the kind words. Was there a specific uh, experience you had that like uh, was really nice? Um, well, I. Uh, I'm like a community mod for one of like a for a DAP on Secret Network, and um, ever get ever since like SNPs are transferable. Uh, there's been like a lot of questions around how do I like IBC transfer over, and what do I do when I'm over there? And like when you join the Telegram, it's just so easy to like type in a command to get like a description of it, really easy, and then you have like three people that accounts to walk you through it. And uh, I've had like multiple instances where uh people in my communities like come back and say yeah like they were a big help and it was really easy to get uh you know assistance with a question they had awesome thank you so much yeah a lot of the uh, osl is a lot of the osl are in here and i'm sure they're very appreciative of your words thanks guys thanks everyone for the update um i was just curious as it relates to liquid staking of adam you know we've seen stride um make some progress has there been a what's the latest talk on on enabling or allowing lick staked atom to turn into liquid staked atom without having to unstake like where where are we in the conversation for that because i think that could be a material catalyst for for generally the cosmos ecosystem as well as osmosis mm -hmm. yeah so the 
I know the uh, Zaki's team had been, Occlusion had been working on a module called LSM, uh, Liquid City module, uh, for the Cosmos SDK that basically will allow uh, you to do that, where it, it's a way, it will enable liquid staking LSD providers to uh, convert st- existing staked atom into one of these positions. Now, I guess I am not. So I know that like there was the whole Adam 2.0 stuff that had like, you know, the inclusion of the LSM module was one of the pieces of this like larger omnibus Adam 2.0 proposal. And obviously uh, that uh, famously uh, did not pass. And so it seems like what's happening right now is that like a lot of the pieces of Adam 2.0 are being reproposed but like chunked up which is i think actually the right thing to do it was uh rather than having one giant omnibus proposal uh and so i'm not sure what the status of the lsm uh module being reproposed is i can't imagine it's one of the it's probably one of the less contentious uh parts of it so at least on the cosmos hub which they've been pretty uh supportive of liquid staking derivatives um so i don't i I actually just don't know the answer to that of like when it is, but I know I believe the actual code for the LS, LSM has been done for a while. So it's just a matter of like when is the next time the Cosmos Hub does an upgrade, basically to add this functionality. Okay, awesome. Thanks for that. And just a follow up mm-hmm. with regards to the Mars launch: Are any of these liquid staking atom um, derivatives supported? Um, this is a question for. I guess the Mars uh, governance, once the Mars governance launches, I believe the, I, I, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I believe the plan for the initial assets on Mars were to be Atom, Osmo, and USDC. Uh, I might be wrong on this, but, uh, and then I think any new assets would have to get approved by Mars governance well, once that's live. Cool. Fair enough. Thanks for the responses, Sonny. Yep. Thank you. Um, We've got a question coming in from the community. Uh, Robo, go ahead and request. And this is for Sarah. All right, go go ahead, Robo. And for uh, for Sarah, if that's okay. Um, I I missed probably about half the space, so I apologize if I'm I'm asking you a question that you've already spoken to, but. Um, I know Regen put out a uh, tokenomics revamp RFP uh, here recently. Have there been any um, any updates to that or any any promising uh, submissions for that? That's an awesome question. So I'm not personally involved with that proposal. Our um, foundation, Regen Foundation, is holding that proposal. But I can tell you that our core product team and our CTO are meeting in person. Um, next week um, for product reasons, but also specifically to ask the, the context of, you know, in the context of how carbon credits are produced, you know, there's methodologies being developed, there's project developers with land on the ground, there's verifiers to make sure the information's correct, there's the software system that supports credit issuance, there's the marketplace, there's a lot of these functional pieces. Um, we're asking the question internally for that RFP of, how do we take the architecture of the product and the exchange mechanisms on the Regen app chain and infuse that into what a new tokenomics model would look like? 
So if anybody wants to get involved with the Region 2.0 tokenomics process or just join the discussion, I recommend finding Will Zoll, um, who's often on the Osmo calls as well um, from Region Foundation, because he's probably the, the biggest nerd of the crew about what it should look like. Um, or Corey, our head of product engineering, or Aaron Kralius, our CTO, or just hit up me and Gregory if you guys have ideas, and we're happy to sort of like link people into those discussions. So that one's a work in progress, and I think could end up being a really cool economic model that really makes sense for how our app chain functions. It just really depends on how the community contributes to that process. Awesome. Thank you so much. So do we have any other questions? I will take that as a no. Um, all right. Well, Sunny, thanks for the updates. Uh, Johnny, thanks for coming on and uh, letting us know. Um, and Sarah, uh, thanks for looping us in on Regen. And sorry for not being able to hear because I still cannot hear you every time you go to speak. All right. Thank you, everyone. See you guys in two weeks. Bye. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Osmosis, updates from the lab. Recorded on Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing All aggressive, insane from all directions Smoke blows in when I start a session Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse But in the universe, I'm just writing some words Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Another fixed game of try my love Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the box came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble
Tim Spaces. Oh, 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 o